We are in Leviticus, starting the year off strong with the food laws in Leviticus chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Leviticus chapter 11. This is going to be good, guys. Food. New Year's, food. This is good. This is good things. Um, It's kind of long, like normal. So we're going to read the whole chapter, 47 verses. Um, We're going to read of all kinds of fun animals. If you're into animals, this is a good chapter for you. Um, Reading out of the ESV, let's read Leviticus 11, then I will pray. So this is, God said this, here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, speak to the people of Israel, saying, these are the living things that you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Whatever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and chews the cud, Among the animals you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that chew the cud or part the hoof, you shall not eat these. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. The rock badger, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the hare, because it chews the cud but does not part the hoof, is unclean to you. And the pig, because it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall not touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. These you may eat of all that are in the waters. Everything in the water that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or the rivers, you may eat. But anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins and scales, of the swarming creatures in the waters and the living creatures that are in the waters, is detestable to you. You shall regard them as detestable. You shall not eat any of their flesh, and you shall detest their carcasses. Everything in the waters that does not have fins and scales is detestable to you. And these you shall detest among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are detestable. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, Uh, The night hawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl, the cormorant, the short-eared owl, the barn owl, the tawny owl, the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. All winged insects that go on all fours are detestable to you. Yet among the winged insects that go on all fours, you may eat those that have jointed legs above their feet, which which to hop on the ground. Of them you may eat the locust of any kind, the bald locust of any kind, the cricket of any kind, and the grasshopper of any kind. But all other winged insects that have four feet are detestable to you. And by these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening. And whoever carries any part of their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean till the evening. Every animal that parts the hoof but is not cloven-footed or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches them shall be unclean. And all that walk on their paws among the animals that go on all fours are unclean to you. Whoever touches their carcass shall be unclean until the evening. And he who carries their carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean till the evening. They are unclean to you. And these are, the un- are, and these are unclean to you among the swarming things that swarm on the ground. The mole rat, the mouse, the great lizard of any kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that swarm. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until the evening. 
And anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is an article of wood or a garment or skin or a skin or a sack, any article that is used for any purpose. It must be put into water and it shall be unclean till the evening, then it shall be clean. And if any of them falls into any earthenware vessel, all that is in it shall be unclean and you shall break it. Any food that is in it could be un- could uh, any food that is any food that in it that could be eaten on which the water comes shall be unclean. And all drink that could be drunk from every such vessel shall be unclean. And everything on which any part of their carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether oven or stove, it shall be broken in pieces. They are unclean and shall remain unclean for you. Nevertheless, a little bit of grace here, a spring or cistern holding water shall be clean, but whoever touches a carcass in them shall be unclean. And if any part of the carcass falls upon any seed grain that is to be sown, it is clean. But if the water is put on the seed and any part of their carcass falls on it, it is unclean to you. And if any animal which you may eat dies, whoever touches its carcass shall be unclean until the evening. Whoever eats of the carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean till the evening. Whoever carries a carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the evening. Every swarming thing that swarms on the ground is detestable. It shall not be eaten. Whatever goes on its belly and whatever goes on all fours or whatever has many feet, any swarming thing that swarms on the ground, you shall not eat for they are detestable. You shall not make yourselves detestable with any swarming thing that swarms and you shall not defile yourself with them and become unclean through them. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law about beast and bird and every living creature that moves through the waters and every creature that swarms on the ground to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean, between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. The word of the Lord. Good job. Let's pray. Ask God for help. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for Leviticus and for Leviticus chapter 11 and for these even we say thank you for these confusing lists, God. Um, this, is, this chapter is your word. It's living and active. And uh, somehow, Jesus, and we're going to see tonight how it points us to you and to your glory and even to your cross. God, right now, would you help us wake up our minds and our hearts, give us ears to hear and to see the glory of Jesus right now. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We as human beings, have this desire in us to belong. That it may be like one of the fundamental desires that you have is to belong. Uh, Like we just all have that ache in us to be accepted. And honestly, maybe uh, one of the harder parts for some of you going to church is like, I just, I don't really know people. I don't know that many people. I don't really feel like I belong. Like that, that's in us. And remember, do you guys remember just like being a kid and like just wanting friends? Like, I just want a friend. Like I have a friend. And when you had a friend, you were like, I'm okay. I have my friend. And if you didn't have a friend, you maybe made one up just to feel like I, I'm okay. Uh, and if you were ever teased as a kid, I was 
Fourth grade is a rough, like, two weeks, I remember it, uh, deeply in my soul. Um, like, the worst part of being teased wasn't what they were saying. It was that I felt like all of a sudden I didn't belong. Like, that was the worst part. It wasn't even, like, the horrible things that they said to my little fourth grade self. It was that, like, they were over there and I was here and I didn't belong anymore. Like, that was the worst part. Um, remember in junior high when you started to think your parents weren't cool anymore and so you wanted to belong? All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you had your family, but, like, you kind of wanted to belong somewhere else, right? And how, like, just awkward that transition was. Like, I want to belong. I know I, my parents love me, but that doesn't count anymore. Um, I even think the desire to belong fuels, like, crazy behavior. It honestly does. I think one of the most appealing things to a gang is like, hey, this is family. Like, these are my brothers. I belong here. Even, this is crazy, ISIS, the, one of the appeals to it was like, hey, come be a part of this thing where you can belong and have a purpose and like, you belong here. And there's like, that's why someone from America is like, I'm over it, I'm going. Because that sounds, I, I want to belong. Even cults, even cults, as crazy as they are, it's like, hey, I belong. And I know and feel that I belong. Honestly, when I was in high school, anything stupid I did, was because I wanted someone to like me, and so I wanted to belong. Uh, And to be honest, that's actually a good God-created thing in you. You were created to belong. That's part of how you were actually hardwired, and the reason you were hardwired that way is because God is hardwired that way. Do you know that? God exists as a community of belonging. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all day long from eternity past. They didn't need humanity. They weren't bored. Like they were okay. God, three persons, one God, trippy, like they belonged and loved one another. And so when they made us in their image, in his image, when God made us in his image, even in Genesis 1, let us make God, let us make man in our image. Part of that was like community, to belong to God and to belong to one another. That's inherent in your DNA. It will never go away. And ironically, you you may not see it at first. I didn't see it at first. In fact, I didn't see a lot at first in Leviticus 11. But Leviticus 11 actually profoundly teaches us in, in like a few really crucial ways what it is to belong to God what it looks like, what it means when you belong to God. Um, And before we dive in, like how does Leviticus 11 show us that? I just wanna remind you right now of something amazing, okay? If you know Jesus, right now, you belong. Right now, you belong. You belong to God. You have a heavenly father and you are known right now and you are loved right now. Accepted actually as you are with all of your issues. You right now belong. Like just let that, yes, I belong. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted by God forever. And you actually belong to a family of God. Even if you don't, it doesn't feel like it, like even this room right now, like you belong in this room. You belong to one another. And for better or worse, we will be with each other in a billion years as a part of a family. Like, I'll, we'll, actually, I'll be looking at your face in a billion years. It's weird, but we belong to this new family. Regardless, literally, of your race, of your gender, of your sin, of your past, of what sin you're struggling with right now, if you are in Christ, 
you fundamentally right now belong. You belong. We could just like worship now. That's so good. And, and if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, like let me quickly just plead with you. Come find true acceptance and belonging and community. Come right now. You can come to Christ. And because you belong, because you do belong, there are certain things that, that we do that display I belong, right? Like if you were, uh, I just, our, my wife and I just watched like the first 15 minutes of Little Rascals on Netflix, and I haven't seen it, I think, since I was like five, maybe. Uh, and I wish, I can't even remember, what's the name of the club? The He-Man Woman Haters Club? Yes. yes, okay, right? So it's like little four-year-old boys who are like, we hate girls, and this is our club, and we belong. And they, remember when they would walk in, if you've ever saw the movie, and they would do like their secret things and they'd have their, their code that they would chant. Like they would do all these things. They wouldn't do them to get in the club. Like they were in and they're like, yeah, this is who we are. So we do our little things because this is what we do. Any group, any club, any team that like you, you, because you belong, then you do these things. And it's just like you, you wear the same certain clothes and even in gangs, like even in biker gangs, my grandpa was in a biker gang and he would have wish I remember the name of your jacket that has your little thing, your crest on the back. Like you, we, we just love to display. Once we belong, we want to display that. Like, yes, this is who I am. This is my identity. I belong here. And Leviticus 11 is essentially God saying, hey, you belong. So this is what we're going to do together. We're going to do these things that are kind of weird, but it's going to display to the world that you belong somewhere. And it's going to display to the world your identity. Uh, in, in Deuteronomy uh, 14, there's another list of food, of animals you can and can't eat. And this is how God starts it off, okay? He says this to Israelites. He says this to you. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured, treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, you shall not eat. And then he just goes on to list them. You see how he starts it off like, hey, I'm going to tell you a long list of how, what you can and can't eat, but why? Because you belong to me. Like you're mine and this is something that you do, okay? So this chapter, uh, Leviticus 11, the quick summary, verses one through eight, God's like, here are the land animals you can and can't eat. Verses nine to 12, here are the water animals you can and can't eat. Verses 12 to 23, here are the flying animals you can and can't eat. Verses 24 to 40, here are the dead animals you can't touch. And, and the reason why, why, God, did you pick animals and food to communicate belonging? And what's pretty interesting and fun is throughout church history, uh, people have come up with a lot of ideas. Like, why would God pick the pig that you can't eat? Um, and there's some kind of not great answers, and then there's some good ones. So I'm going to quickly give you seven reasons why people have guessed why did God use food to say you belong or you don't belong. I'm going to start with the weaker ones, okay? So here's, here's we're going to get to the good stuff. But number one, some people thought, okay, was this like a hygiene thing? Because if you know anything about food and pigs, there's like diseases, more diseases in pigs. Pigs, if you don't cook it right, can have diseases. They roll around in their poop. Like, so maybe God's just trying to keep them healthy. And some people have even gone as far to say that this is the maker's diet. Like even right now as a Christian, if you want to live healthy and long and have like a healthy life, Leviticus 11 is what you should do. And you will just, you'll outlive everybody. Some people have said that. Um, 
Don't think that's the reason why God said that. Um, maybe like health was a side byproduct, but if that were true in Mark, I'm going to jump ahead real quick. Jesus does away with these laws. So if this was the maker's diet, Jesus is kind of like screwing us over. Jesus, but this is the diet. He's like, no, that's, it's not that. Jesus did away with it. And honestly, all food, if you don't cook it right, beef, things can go bad, right? So I don't, people are like, is that health? So probably not cleanliness. Number two, this one's kind of fun, uh, allegory. Were there moral reasons behind, did, did the bat represent demons? And so you can't eat the bat. And the pig represented like the filth of sin. And so you can't eat the pig, but the cow what does the cow represent? And so the problem with that is we just kind of have to guess. Oh yeah, that means that, that means that. And um, even, even in that, uh, there were animals that, like the cow, for example, most other religions worship the cow. So it'd be kind of random for God to be like, you should have that one. So anyways, allegory, maybe, maybe that's another side product, who knows, but probably not. Number three was similar is, okay, God said, don't eat all the animals the pagans like. So pagans love pigs, for example. And they did. They, they would eat pigs. So don't eat what the pagans ate. Um, you should eat the holy animals that are, uh, don't associate with the animals that were like important for pagans. And the only reason that also doesn't work is because the bull was like the, the number one symbol. So God would probably say, hey, don't eat the bull. So maybe pagan associations, probably not. Uh, here's another one that is kind of interesting. Maybe there's something to it is, People have guessed that God picked animals that were more like whole and complete. So like if, if you were in the water and you had fins but no scales, that was kind of weird, right? Like there's certain, like you should eat what seems like a normal animal. You should eat what seems like, yeah, that animal, it makes sense. That animal looks kind of weird, so don't eat that one. Uh, you should eat animals that like act according to its class. And that's kind of a theme in Leviticus. Like you, you can't wear mixed garments, People have said, so look, you can't eat mixed garments or fabric or you can't wear them. So you, you shouldn't eat mixed animals. So maybe there's something to that, but I think the downside to that is who created those weird animals? God did, right? And did he say those animals are weird and I don't like those animals? No, he said those animals are good. I made the platypus exactly how I wanted to make it. So probably not why God chose certain animals and not certain animals. Uh, number five, we're getting closer. If, if you maybe noticed there were no carnivores in the list. So no meat-eating animals. You could not eat an animal that ate another animal. So like all the birds, almost all of them were like meat-eating animals. Um, Maybe that's true. Death is like an enemy in the Bible. Uh, But if that were the answer, wouldn't it be ironic that God's saying, hey, you can kill and eat things that don't kill and eat things? Like, okay, so if God was into not killing and eating he probably wouldn't have done any of this at all. So maybe there's something to know carnivores, but we're carnivores, we're eating. So probably not that one. Um, Side note, I love that in verse, what is it, four, it says you can like, you can't eat meat, you can't eat animals. So no problem if your conscience doesn't like eating them, but I love that God's like, hey, you can kill and eat these animals. I like that. Uh, Okay, so we're get here. There's probably two clear reasons And this is going to teach us about what it means to belong. Two really clear reasons why, God, did you pick food and food laws and what you can and what you can't eat. Like, what were you doing here, God? What are you communicating? This is the the big number one. Number one, following these laws displayed obedience 
to God's commandments. Pretty simple, right? If I obey these laws, what am I doing? I'm, I'm displaying that I'm obeying God, even meticulously. Okay, uh, God is essentially saying to you, picture yourself in the desert. You're excited to go into Canaan and eat, not manna. And he's saying, would you be willing to obey me simply because you trust me and I said so? Don't eat the pig. Are you willing to do that? Part of belonging to God is trusting him and obeying him. Even when like we don't get like, yeah, God, but pork is really good. So why can't I eat pork? Part of trusting and belonging to God is like, okay, if you said it, I will not do it. And if you remember, there was another time when God was like, hey, don't eat that food. And he didn't give anybody any reasons. You guys remember this? Sound familiar? In the Garden of Eden, pretty much the only commandment of what not to do was don't eat from that tree. He didn't explain why. He just was God. And he says, hey, don't eat from that tree. And God was in the beginning essentially asking humans, asking us, will you trust me? Like, are you willing to trust me even if it doesn't make sense to you? Will you obey me even if you don't understand the reasons why I've asked you to trust me? That's a pretty fundamental question God asks you. Are you willing to trust me and obey me when it doesn't make sense? Are you willing to trust me and obey me when I tell you to not do something and you don't get it? And in the Garden of Eden, we weren't willing. We were not willing. And in in Leviticus, he's essentially like, hey, let's try this again. I'm going to give you some animals. You can eat these. You cannot eat these. Will you trust me? Part of what it means to follow me is to trust. If, If I've commanded you, I'm willing to trust God. And here's the problem. For Americans, and especially our age, we have a pretty low view of authority. We just do. We're like, don't love authority. We're not a culture that like our elders and rules and laws. We're the culture that's like, if that rule makes sense, I'll obey it. But that rule is dumb. I'm not obeying it. Like growing up, I, we probably all, most of us hated the, I, because I said so. I'm like, yeah, but that's what, explain it to me. Did you know the new California driving law? Do you guys know about the phone? Have you heard about this? I think the law is you're allowed to have one finger touch the screen. That's it. You're not allowed to hold your phone anymore. You're allowed to put one finger on your phone. And for me, I'm like, that's a stupid law. I am a more competent driver than other people. And so I should be able to hold my phone. That's how I am. Like, this is stupid. And so I don't obey that law and I'm in sin. But I think this is not, this is a bad law. That's, that's how we are. If, if you're driving on the highway and there's no cars around, it's like, this is a dumb law. I'm not going to obey the speed limit. It doesn't make sense. Even in our history as Americans, like the Boston Tea Party, right? We, this is not fair. This is not right. I'm going to rebel. I'm going to like rebel against the man. We hate rules and we hate authority. That's inherent in us as a culture and as a people. From our inception, we've been rebelling against rules that don't seem fair to us. And, and maybe even personally, you, like me, you've had bad experiences with authority, like your parents or coaches or mentors or church or the law. And like, maybe you've actually been treated poorly by authority. Like that's, that's real. Maybe authority have, maybe they've abused their authority to you. And I know for me, I was like, if you're abusing your authority, 
like I'm gonna make this really painful for you and I'm just gonna be a thorn in your side. I'll get punished, I don't care, because you are wrong. And I, like, I would literally, I was that kid in class just arguing with the teacher because I thought I was right, getting kicked out, making teachers cry because this was wrong. Like I was that kid because we're like, this isn't right. But here's the thing, you guys. God is not an unjust authority. God doesn't just get a kick out of making up laws to see if we'll do it. Like, oh, this will be interesting. They can't eat the pig just because. And so like, God, God's not unjust and he, he doesn't abuse his authority. God is actually worthy and good to be trusted. God's laws are actually for your flourishing, for your good. And here's the thing. He doesn't always explain himself. He doesn't always explain himself because he's God. And he can just say, hey, don't do that. Or I want you to do this. And, and I am God. And, and maybe like a little Israelite is asking her dad, why can't we eat that? And, and the dad's answer is because Yahweh said, don't eat that. And we trust him and we obey him. And so here's, here's another thing. Not only do we hate authority, our culture right now at this time in history uh, is, is like the furthest it's ever been from looking like God's laws. It's just like when we were born, it's pretty much the furthest it's ever looked. And so more and more of God's commandments are going to look ridiculous to us. They just, they just are. More and more of God's rules and laws, the world we live in, are going to be like, that doesn't make sense. That's something that like we were kind of dealt a challenging hand. We were, we were not born into cultural Christianity and everyone just does what God says. More than ever, you will be challenged by God's laws because of the culture and the air and everything that sounds and looks normal. And that's, that's pretty challenging. And listen, there will come times with Jesus probably every day when Jesus is going to confront you and say, will you just trust me? I know this doesn't make sense. I know you, like everyone else is doing this thing and it seems normal, but will you trust me? Will you live differently because I am your God and you belong to me? Will you trust me? Okay, so here's a couple classic ones. Sexuality. Sexuality is for a man and a woman in a covenant relationship for life. That is like ridiculous in our culture. And we have all these good reasons why that doesn't make sense. And God is like, hey, this is flourishing, but at the end of the day, are you going to trust me that I, I, God, know what your flourishing is? Will you trust me? There's another one, salvation by the blood of Jesus alone. For us, it's like, God, that doesn't really make sense because what about this and this and this? Like, is, is your heart willing to be like, okay, God, I trust you. Even here's, this is a, maybe this one will make some people upset, but I'll say it. Uh, Biblical manhood and womanhood. Jesus actually has a say of what it means to be a man and woman. He actually does. He didn't just like forget about that one. He actually says things about what it means to be a godly man and a godly woman and and what your gender means and is in his image. Um, Are we willing to like look to this book? And say, God, what does it mean to be a, a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Like that one's so radically not popular in our culture. Are we willing to trust God even if it doesn't make sense? Why can't I eat the pig? I guess God said so. And real quick, what's the alternative? Think about that. What's the alternative? The alternative is a God in your image. A God who 
who does what you tell him what to do. A God who won't challenge you. A God who, okay, let's be real. He's not going to lead you because you're in charge. A God who's not going to be able to provide any help or protection or comfort. A God who cannot save because he's a dead God. He's a false God in your image. Is that a good alternative? That's what we want when we start like, no, I think I want to be God. Like, is that really what we want? Because a real God is every once in a while going to say, hey, you can't do that. That's kind of how you know God is real when it's like he's not budging and he's confronting. And, and here's one more thing. From day one, we have an enemy named Satan and he loves challenging the commandments of God. The first quote of Satan in the Bible is, did God really say? That's that right there is what Satan does all day long to you. Did God really say challenging the idea that God wants you to flourish? That's what Satan wants your heart. To, God doesn't really know what's right. God doesn't really want your flourishing. And so he puts the lie that God's holding out on you. God's like, oh, I got something good, but no, you can't have it. God's keeping us back from, from freedom. That's, that one right there is like the American ideal. Freedom. I want to be free. God, let me be free. And, and was Eve, did she find freedom when she took and ate? Did she find freedom? She found death. And literally all the pain and suffering and disease can be traced back to a person deciding that God's commandments can't be trusted. Like that's heavy. And that's that's hard. And, and so there'll be times like Eve where it does not make sense. There'll be times like these Israelites who smell the Canaanites cooking bacon and are like, why this makes zero sense? Why God? And, and there's, God is saying, because you belong to me, will you trust me when it doesn't make sense? So that's, I think, the first good reason why God has given the Israelites these laws. And, and even though we don't follow these laws, that, that principle remains. Will you trust God when it doesn't make sense to you? And then number two, the second major reason for the food laws is this. God wants his people to belong to him and not to the world. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. That's super important. That's what this chapter is about. God wants you to belong to him and not to the world. God's like, you belong to me over here. Israel was called to be holy, which means set apart, which means different. All the, and, and so one of the ways God's like, every day you will be different from the world because you belong to me. You guys, that's heavy. God's saying every day, all three meals you are going to be different than the world. That's actually like a biblical idea. You are supposed to be different than the world. And food is like fundamental, right? Food is like what we center our life around all like three times a day. Food, and this is crazy, food brings people together, but do you know what food also does? It separates people. 
It's like, what culture are you? What do you eat? How do you eat? So it's very clearly like, I do it this way, they do it that way. Who you eat with is deeply significant. Remember high school? Like, that was a big deal. Who am I going to eat with? Um, and who you didn't eat with is a big deal. Who you didn't eat with. I, I, uh, I was, my mom had a birthday in LA. We like went to dinner at like a pretty fancy restaurant and we were sitting next to Conan O'Brien and I just felt like I was famous just because like he was there. I'm like, I'm basically eating with him. Like my status is just right about here. There's something about food that like, oh yeah, like he's right there. We were at Los Agaves, my wife and I, and I was sitting like eight feet from, what's her name? Natalie Portman, like a week ago. I was like, she eats at Los Agaves. So every time I eat at Los Agaves, I feel like my status now, like food is this like identity thing. Food brings people together and it also divides us. And so God was like, hey, I'm gonna pick food and three times a day, you are gonna remember that you belong to me and you do not belong to the world. You do not belong to the world. That, that right there is fundamental. And so let's apply that. We're not gonna, we're not, we no longer do these food laws, but God is asking you because you belong to me. Are you willing to be different than the world? And even offensive to the world. Did you know that, uh, so the cow was what they, one of the staples. Um, the cow, like in India today, was considered a god from Egypt, Canaan. They're like, yeah, that's a god. So not only did they not eat pork, like why are you not eating this? We're also gonna be eating their gods. So like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna eat bacon, but I am gonna eat your god. And so three times a day, it was like, I am not eating your bacon and I'm eating your God instead. Like that was pretty offensive. That was like, I am very different from you. I like, why are you doing that? And so though we don't do these food laws, again, God is saying in terms of sexuality, in terms of how you treat your enemies, in terms of how you treat other races, in, in terms of how you treat your, your uh, and how you, like, you dress and how you date and how you pursue Think about things like alcohol and weed. Are you willing to be different? Are you willing to be different? Here's my flesh. Is it legal? What's the problem, right? But that's not what God's saying. He's saying, I want you to be different than the world. We should not be asking like, how much like the world am I allowed to be? We are actually supposed to be different. You, to follow Jesus, are called to be different. Two metaphors Jesus used was salt and light. He says, you're to be salt. You know what salt, when it's there, you taste it. It has a purpose. Light, he's like, why would you hide your light? Light is supposed to be seen. So tomorrow, people should taste and see that you are actually different than they are. Do Do people see that? Do they get a different taste from you? And honestly, this is maybe the hardest thing for me to follow Jesus in. I'm a people pleaser. That is like in me. And I just wish people would like me and I wish people wouldn't think I was weird or different. Like I, most of my life, every day, I'm fighting like, what do they think about me? And so to share my faith is, I'll confess to you, I am so weak at evangelism because I don't want to be weird. I don't want people to think I'm crazy and believe in like aliens. That's actually in me. And, and I care more. I, my heart wants to belong to the world over here. That's what my heart wants. I'm like, yeah, I know I belong to God, but like, I want these people to like me. 
And so that dictates how I live my life. And Jesus is saying, no, you actually belong to me over here. And I want the Israelites three times a day to know they are different. They are different. First Peter says this, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. You by nature are, you, you actually do not belong here. Isn't that weird? You are a sojourner and an exile on earth. If you ever feel like you don't belong, it's because you don't belong here. You are a sojourner and an exile. Other translations say an alien. You're the equivalent of you got dropped off on another planet that you don't belong on. So if you ever like, why don't I feel like I belong? You actually, you do belong to another place. You belong to the Lord. So those are the two reasons. Will you trust me and will you be willing to be different? And here's a quick theological question. Why don't we obey these laws anymore? Um, there's a really easy answer, uh, but, but here's the challenge. So here, this will come up. Okay, so I hear what you're saying about sexuality, but like, why don't you obey the food laws? That's gonna come up a lot in Christianity. Okay, I hear, I hear what you're saying about the Bible and the Old Testament and this stands, but why don't you obey this stuff? That's like a real question. And if someone were to ask you right now, uh, so why don't you obey the food laws anymore? That's, that's a good question because they have a valid, they're like, be, they're like asking us according to our standards, why don't you obey that? But you're telling me I should obey this. And there's a actually really easy answer to it. Why don't I obey this law? Because God said, don't obey this law. Anytime we don't obey something is because God actually told us, okay, that I fulfilled that. You don't have to obey that anymore. So that's like God with his word, authoritative word saying that is fulfilled and it is no more. Um, I'll read you two verses. There's like seven. But in Mark 7, Jesus says, do you not see what goes into a person? Do you not see whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him since it enters not into his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. There it is. Mark 7, 18 and 19, Jesus declares all foods clean. And another one in Acts, Peter is having this vision and God lowers basically all the worst animals. And he's like, hey, Peter, you need to eat them. And Peter's like, God, I've never done that in my life. And then God says to him, do not call what God has made clean, unclean. God's in that moment saying to Peter, hey, I've now made that animal clean. You can actually eat bacon and not be in sin literally glory to God. And so, side note, we, this is why we don't obey these laws anymore. And okay, so we could just end the sermon there and that, this is, that would be a how to be a better Christian sermon. Um, when God's commandments are really hard, just trust him. And number two, uh, what was the second point? Someone listening? This went blank. Second point. Oh yeah, be different. Be different in the world. Okay, so listen, you wanna follow Jesus? Trust God when his commandments don't make sense and be really different than other people. And that's true because you belong to Jesus. But as if you remember, this book, Leviticus, is actually not about us. They're, they, and here, here's the thing. Sometimes we think that way. I think that way when I wake up in the morning. I think being a Christian is a matter of doing the right thing. So yeah, I may not have to eat the food anymore, but like I gotta get my act together and not doing the wrong thing. And, and obeying God, I'm like, okay, am I obeying God today? And I, I don't like this, but I'll do the right thing. And, and, and when we hear sermons, we hear, okay, I need to 
take my notes mentally of what am I supposed to do to follow Jesus? What am I not supposed to do to follow Jesus? And there's a group of people who were actually killing it in this area. They were called the Pharisees. And they did, they perfectly obeyed Leviticus 11. And they're like, I got this. I'm obeying and I'm accepted by God. I belong to God because look at how good I am at obeying Leviticus chapter 11. And I have to remind us all that Leviticus is about Jesus. And the truth is, every one of us has failed already, maybe today, to trust and obey God in a difficult commandment. And every one of us probably today have tried to fit in with the world rather than stand out. And, and I want just hear this truth because my heart forgets this. We do not belong to God because of our obedience to God. Just hear that. That's re- we don't think that way. You do not belong to God because you obey God. It's so good. Let me say it again. You do not belong to God because you obey him. You belong to God because of the blood of Jesus. Just let that sink in real quick. And do you know why that's good news? Because we all are terrible at obeying Jesus. We're terrible at obeying. Not that we shouldn't obey, but we do not obey. We disobey God's commandments. We challenge his word. We want to blend in with the world. And just hear this. You belong because of what Jesus has done for you, not because you can do anything for God. Do you know who is the only one who actually perfectly obeyed Leviticus 11? His name was Jesus. And he was the only true Jew who obeyed these laws perfectly. And to be a Christian isn't to obey God's laws perfectly, but to accept the gift of the death and the blood of Jesus on your behalf. Just hear that. To be a Christian isn't to obey God's laws. To be a Christian is to accept the fact that Jesus obeyed for you. You, remember the entrance exam is, I failed at obeying God. But Jesus has perfectly obeyed. And remember, God always called these animals clean and unclean. We think we're clean when we're, when we're killing it. I'm clean today. I didn't sin as much today. Like, I don't have as much guilt. I'm not as dirty. Listen, Jesus was the only clean person to ever live. He was the only clean one. We're unclean. Our sin has stained us. But now when you are washed in the blood of Jesus, you are made clean. Not by obeying God in a difficult area, but by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is what saves you. You have failed to obey God. You have failed to be different. And you need a savior and his name is Jesus. And he was perfect. And he obeyed perfectly. And he was perfectly holy and different than the world. And so when we worship and when we approach God every morning, we don't do so on our like, look what I have done. We belong because of what Jesus has done. I'm going to close by reading Ephesians 2 real quick. Ephesians 2, 11 to 19. Why do I belong? Listen. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, we were the pig eaters, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated, you were an alien from Christ, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now 
in Christ Jesus. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by, listen, by abolishing the law of commandments. Don't eat these animals. By abolishing that law expressed in ordinances that he may create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have both access in one spirit to the Father. Last verse. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Every one of us did not belong to God. We were aliens and we had no hope. It says no hope. But Jesus came and he died for your sins and your uncleanness. And you could never come yourself. Jesus had to die for you and bring you near that. When you put your trust in Jesus, you now belong to God. You belong to God. And now, verse 45 in Leviticus 11, why do I obey God? Why do I trust his commandments? Why am I different? Look, Look at what, if you have your Bible open to Leviticus 11, 45 says this. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Listen, God saved them by grace and then was like, hey, so now this is how you live. Doesn't matter if you fail, you don't like lose your salvation. You're a sinner, you need my grace. You start off being rescued. You are rescued by Jesus and then you obey his commandments. You were rescued by Jesus and now you're called to be different than the world. And so right now we have an opportunity to, to draw near to Jesus. And, and listen, don't draw near based on what, you, what you've done and haven't done. Like draw near because Jesus was perfect for you and died for you and shed his blood for you. Draw near knowing, man, I had no hope to belong to God but Jesus came and got me. He came and he rescued me and I belong because of the blood of Jesus. And we're just gonna sing and fix our eyes on Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you. Let me close in prayer. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you that we can belong because you are so gracious to us. God, we know like we could never obey all the laws in this book. We have no hope. We had no hope to, like, to, to do this. And we needed you, Jesus, to come and rescue us. And you did. You came and were perfect and were obedient. And then you died on the cross so that we could be made reconciled. And so right now, Jesus, would we come and worship you knowing that we can be cleaned by the blood of Jesus? And would, would that, like who you are and how you've rescued us, would that be our motivation to trust you and to obey you and to, to be willing to be different because we, we belong, we are now, belong, we belong to the house of God. We belong to you and we're, we have like a safe place. When, when, we, when we refuse sin, like we actually, it's because we have something better that we belong to. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you just remind us 
of your, of your cross and of, of your grace of God on us? Would we come and worship you? Would we come take communion and remember that your body was broken and your blood was shed for our sins? Jesus, help us to worship you right now. If we need prayer, Lord, if we just need encouragement, would we come to the sides and get prayer, God? Would we be willing to fall on our face and sing to you and worship you for your grace, God? Come and meet with us now.